This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. Welcome to the best of Not Your Century. I said last time that we don't always have a theme, but sometimes we do. And today's theme, I guess, is uh, female criminals of the 1970s in the Bay Area. One is Patty Hearst and one is Squeaky Fromm. Now, you could argue that Patty Hearst was a victim, not a criminal. You could argue that she was both. We're just going to talk about Patty Hearst and the day that she was arrested in San Francisco because after she was a kidnapped victim, she became a fugitive wanted for bank robbery. September 18, 1975. San Francisco Police Inspector Timothy Casey knocks on an apartment door in the Outer Mission. Behind him is an FBI agent. Earlier in the day, they'd gotten a tip that a couple living on Presida Avenue in Bernal Heights were Bill and Emily Harris, fugitive members of the Symbionese Liberation Army, the SLA, the radical group that had kidnapped Patricia Hearst in Berkeley 19 months earlier, in February 1974. The Harrises were arrested as they emerged from their rented house to go for a jog. Information from that arrest led the inspector and the agent to 625 Morse Street, just south of Geneva Avenue near Mission Street. The newspapers reported that they didn't know what they'd find when they knocked on that door, but the FBI later said they did know. They found Wendy Yoshimura, a 32-year-old artist-turned-revolutionary who'd been on the lam since 1972 when the cops found what they called a bomb-making factory in a garage she rented in Berkeley. Yoshimura is tiny. It was easy for Inspector Casey to see over her head at the woman standing a few feet behind her. 21-year-old Patricia Hurst, newspaper heiress, kidnapping victim, and wanted fugitive. She'd been recorded on surveillance video carrying an M1 carbine and yelling commands at customers during a bank robbery. Sometime after her kidnapping, Patty Hearst had apparently joined the SLA and taken on the name Tanya. Patty, the cop barked, don't make a move. She said, all right. She and Yoshimura were arrested without incident. In the apartment was a small cache of weapons. It included the M1 carbine that had been used in the robbery of the Hibernia Bank in the Sunset District the previous spring, the one where Patty Hearst was caught on video holding it. The SLA talked about itself as a revolutionary army, but it was a ragtag group of about a dozen radicals enthralled to a delusional ex-convict named Donald DeFries. Everyone had noms de guerre, like Hearst's Tanya. DeFries's was Sinkyu. Bill and Emily Harris, they were Tico and Yolanda, and Patty Hearst had been involved in an incident in Los Angeles in May of 1974 that led to the effective end of the SLA. The group had relocated from the Bay Area to LA, and the Harrises had been inside a sporting goods store in Inglewood buying supplies. Hearst was on armed watch in a van across the street. Apparently on a whim, Bill Harris shoplifted a bandolier as they walked out of the store with their purchases. When a security guard grabbed him, Hearst stepped out of the van and sprayed the store with gunfire. She shot above the front door. They made their escape, but the LAPD investigation of the incident led them to a house where SLA members were hiding out. One of the largest shootouts in American history resulted. 
It ended with the house burning down, probably because of exploding tear gas canisters. Six SLA members died, including the leader, DeFreeze. Hearst and the Harrises watched the whole thing live on TV from a hotel room. Patty Hearst claimed that she'd been raped, threatened with death, and ultimately brainwashed into joining the SLA. In 1976, a jury convicted her of the bank robbery and sentenced her to 35 years in prison. That was later reduced to seven years. President Jimmy Carter commuted her sentence after 22 months in 1979, and President Bill Clinton pardoned her in 2001. She's now involved with charity work. Wendy Yoshimura was convicted of the earlier weapons charges and sentenced to 1 to 15 years. She served three, and she's worked as a watercolor painter and art teacher ever since. Bill and Emily Harris were convicted for their roles in Patty Hearst's kidnapping, and they spent eight years in prison. In 2003, they were both convicted in the killing of a customer during another SLA bank robbery. Bill was paroled in 2006, Emily in 2007. At the time of these events, Patty Hearst's family owned the San Francisco Examiner. Today, it owns the San Francisco Chronicle. I talked about how you could make different arguments about Patty Hearst. Was she the victim of a crime? Was she the victim of the crime and a criminal herself? Well, with Squeaky Fromm, no such arguments. Criminal all the way. She was a member of the Manson family. She was uh, one of the young women who was in court almost every day when Charles Manson was on trial. She moved so that she could be closer to him when he was in prison. And uh, after he'd been in prison for a few years, she took a shot at the president of the United States. Uh, The gun didn't go off, which is why Gerald Ford survived and uh, served out his term as president and lived for many, many years after that. She went to prison for a very long time. She's no longer in prison. And this is the story of Lynette Squeaky Fromm. September 5th, 1975. Gerald Ford is in Sacramento, about to become the first president to ever address a joint session of the California legislature. He's walking across Capitol Park from the Senator Hotel, shaking hands with people who'd lined the walkway. A woman in a long red dress and a red headscarf pulls a 45 caliber pistol out of her purse, points it at the president from two feet away, and pulls the trigger. Nothing happens. She's tackled immediately by a Secret Service agent. Pinned to the ground, she shouts, Don't get excited! It didn't go off! It didn't go off! Her name is Lynette Fromm. Squeaky Fromm. She's a 26-year-old follower of Charles Manson. She got the name Squeaky from George Spahn, who owned the Spahn Ranch, where the Manson family lived in the 60s. She'd squeak when he tried to pinch her thigh. She was one of the young women who hung around Manson's murder trial in 1970. She carved an X in her forehead when Manson did the same. She had moved to Sacramento to be closer to Manson, who was at Folsom Prison at the time. She said that long red dress was a robe. She was a nun in Manson's religion. Squeaky Fromm was convicted of trying to assassinate the president. She became the first person convicted and the first to get a life sentence under a law that had been passed after the killing of John F. Kennedy. She was the only woman who had ever tried to assassinate an American president. She'd hold that distinction for less than three weeks. 
On September 22nd, Ford was in San Francisco at the St. Francis Hotel. Sarah Jane Moore was in a crowd outside with a 38 caliber pistol she'd bought that morning. Moore had turned to revolutionary politics when she became fascinated by Patty Hearst, the newspaper heiress who was kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army in 1974. She'd worked as a bookkeeper for people in need. That was the food distribution for the poor that Randolph Hearst had started as a sort of a ransom for his daughter. On September 21st, Moore had been stopped by police who confiscated her pistol. That's why she'd hastily bought a new one on the morning of the 22nd. Unlike Squeaky Fromm, Sarah Jane Moore got a shot off, but the sight on her new gun was faulty. When the president emerged from the hotel, she fired and missed. As Ford was again hustled away by the Secret Service, she raised her arm to fire again, but a man named Oliver Sippel lunged at her and grabbed her arm. The gun fired, injuring a bystander. Sippel was a hero, but he was a reluctant one. He was a former Marine, and he was gay. He begged reporters not to write about his sexuality. Even though he was active in the San Francisco gay community and he had worked on his friend Harvey Milk's political campaigns, Sippel's family in Michigan didn't know he was gay. Harvey Milk wanted the world to know. He saw it as a chance for people to see a gay man as strong and brave rather than the stereotypes of the time, what Milk called all that caca about molesting children and hanging out in bathrooms. Milk told Chronicle columnist Herb Cain about Sippel, and Cain mentioned his sexuality in several columns. They both speculated that because Sippel was gay, he got a simple thank-you note from Ford rather than an invitation to the White House. Ford later denied that, saying he didn't know about Sippel's sexuality until years later. Oliver Sippel's life spun out of control. He became estranged from his family, drank heavily, and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He sued the Chronicle, Herb Cain, and others for invasion of privacy. An appeals court ruled in 1984 that because he'd become a public figure by saving the president's life, his sexual orientation was news. Oliver Sippel died in 1989 at the age of 47. In 2011, San Francisco Mayor Ed Lee declared September 22nd Oliver W. Sippel Day. Squeaky Fromm and Sarah Jane Moore both escaped from prison, the same one as it happened, Alderson Federal Prison Camp in West Virginia. Moore did it in 1979, Fromm in 1987, and they were both recaptured quickly. Moore was paroled in 2007, Fromm in 2009. On the day Squeaky Fromm tried to shoot President Ford in Sacramento, the House Agriculture Committee was meeting on Capitol Hill. The chairman, Democrat Thomas Foley of Washington, interrupted the session to relay the news of the assassination attempt. Representative James P. Johnson, a Republican from Colorado, got a laugh out of it. He said, Mr. Chairman... I think the record should show that for the first time since McKinley, we have a Republican president worth shooting. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.